This is the message given by Pastor James Lim during the evening worship service at Faith Presbyterian Church, Long Beach, California, for July 23, 2023. The title of the message is Save to Teach, Part 5, Servants. We've been going through Titus chapter 2, the first eight verses, and and I apologize um, I overlooked and and uh, didn't include verses nine and ten. Uh, so, and that's the um, uh, the passage uh, that I'll be treating this evening. So, if you would turn with me to Titus chapter two, I'll be read. I'll read the first ten verses, but um, preaching from the last two verses nine and ten. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's pray together. Our Father, we. Come before you humbly. Uh, we come before you expectantly. We come before you with our Bibles wide open uh, to hear from you, to learn from you, to sit at your feet, to choose the better portion, uh, Lord. And we pray, Father, for your Holy Spirit to indwell in us, to, to connect our faith with our lives as we hear your word. And be with me, your servant. Would you empower me with your Holy Spirit so that as I expound on your word, as I preach it, as I illustrate it, as I apply it, that it would be your word that goes forth and it would not return unto you void without accomplishing all that you ordain. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hear now the reading of God's holy word, beginning in verse 1. But as for you... Teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works, and in your teaching show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Bondservants are to be submissive to their own masters in everything, They are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. May he add his blessing to it this evening. Um, When Stephen Baldwin, uh, one of the... um, the, uh, the actors of the Baldwin family, um, who was a Christian, he, when somebody asked him how he came to be a Christian, um, uh, he answers it by telling his wife's story. Uh, and the story goes like this. His, when they were um, just, when they were, when they got married and they had children, uh, his wife was working. She's uh, of Brazilian and Italian descent, so she uh, uh, was r- working really hard. And so she, what she did was she hired uh, a housekeeper, a maid from Brazil. 
And so she came to work for them. And this, this uh, Brazilian maid took care of pretty much all the domestic uh, needs of their home. And she worked really hard, and she did all the backbreaking work of taking care of a large Hollywood home, as well as this small, uh, this young family. And she worked so hard and cared for them so deeply that they ended up considering, they, they treated her and considered her a, a, another member of their family. And so, um, so it turned out that uh, over the course of her uh, employment, you know, when she would cook and clean, she would sing these Brazilian songs. Uh, she would sing them out loud. She would sing them with joy. And she would, you know, do it as she worked hard. Laundry, cooking, cleaning, I mean. And uh, Stephen Baldwin's wife one day inquired into what she was singing and, and what it was all about. And it turned out that she was singing Brazilian Christian hymns and praise songs. That it, it was, she had so much joy in the Lord that she saw everything she did as an act of worship, and so she sang while she did it. And this intrigued uh, Stephen Baldwin's wife so much that she inquired more and more, and over a period of time, this Brazilian maid shared the gospel with her, that her life and testimony and witness was so compelling that, that she became a Christian, uh, Stephen Baldwin's wife became a Christian as well. And, and as a result, she um, would witness and share the gospel with her husband. And then he would say, well, that's how I became a Christian. And, um, and so her, this whole family, this whole family came to faith in Christ through this one humble yet hard-working Christian maid as she did her job well uh, with faith and joy in the Lord. And it just exuded to where it was, so where this family uh, followed, came, to, came to know the Lord. And so this, this evening, Paul continues uh, giving uh, the Church of Christ instructions through Timothy on how to conduct yourself, conduct yourself in a Christian manner according to sound doctrine to apply the truths of the gospel in the very way in which you live your life. We looked at, we looked at earlier, we looked at uh, uh, older men, uh, we looked at younger men, and how the older men are to teach the younger men, and how the younger men are to, are to, to live out the truths. Uh, we have the older women and the younger women, and how uh, the gospel ought to apply and, and be character, characterize their lives. And then we have here... Uh, a fifth uh, kind of grouping of people, slaves to their masters. And so, so Paul continues to instruct Titus on how to teach sound doctrine that leads to a sound Christian life, in particular as it uh, pertains to slaves and their masters. So here, Paul tells Christian servants uh, bond servants, or you know, in some translations, slaves, uh, how they should submit and obey their masters as an act of faith, as an extension 
of the gospel being lived out in their lives. And in doing so, Paul teaches us how to adorn the gospel with our lives as we learn to serve our employers and our superiors, those who are, uh, have authority over us, whether it be in our jobs, whether it be in government, or in, our, you know, in any, any given situation. So it's not only for slaves and masters, but for employers and employees, for um, inferiors and superiors uh, in any given circumstance, uh, or at least economic ones. So before I begin, let me just say a few words on what the Bible teaches about slavery. Um, you know, because whenever we come across uh, passages like this, you know, I don't want uh, anyone to uh, misconstrue that as if the Bible is justifying slavery. Um, that, that's what naysayers of, of the Christian faith accuse uh, the Bible of, that it condones slavery. And that's not true. Uh, this is the reason why northern and southern churches split uh, prior to the prior and during the Civil War is a difference of interpretation where the northern churches um, uh, saw in Scripture uh, that the kind of slavery that was uh, uh, being done in, in, in America during that time was not the same kind of slavery that the Bible describes here. It was a chattel slavery grounded in man-stealing. In other words, taking men as property and treating them like property and making them slaves. Stealing them, in other words. That is prohibited in Scripture. Uh, whereas the kind of slavery, so to speak, kind of the serve is more that's being described here in the New Testament and also in the Old Testament is a kind of indentured servitude where one who is poor voluntarily puts themselves in debt to an employer and, and, and works as a servant until they can pay off their debt. And once they pay off their debt, uh, they are free. So it's, it, it's different. It's a different kind of, of uh, I guess, it's, it's maybe in, in one sense it's a form of slavery, but it's not, it's not the same. And in addition to that, it is the, the Bible... Uh, Passages such as this, they are they they're describing a toleration of slavery as part of the fallen condition of living in, in this world, rather than condoning slavery and advocating it. There's there's a world of difference between uh, recognizing that it happens versus saying this is how Christians ought to live by owning slaves and being being happy to be a slave. So just some of those things uh, I wanted to, um, to, to give an answer for. And uh, so when Paul talks about slaves, when he addresses slaves, or here in our passage, bond servants, it is the former form of, of service that I described, where um, a poor person would... would voluntarily submit themselves as an indentured servant. And, um, and so uh, we may not have this kind of uh, indentured servitude uh, in particular, but it still happens. Um, uh, but the better, I guess, the more appropriate parallel 
uh, from this passage is um, employers and employees. Right? That, that there is a sense in which there is a, uh, a contractual relationship between an employer and employee, and Paul is telling us and teaching us how the gospel, how the gospel brings to bear our relationship as an employer and an employee, uh, as an inferior to a superior. So, so, so let's look at that in our passage. How should we work then for our earthly employers if we are their employees? For our superiors if we work under them as inferiors? Uh, look at verse 9. We must First, we must submit to our employers in everything as unto the Lord. Look at what he says there. Slaves are to be submissive to their own masters in everything. When bondservants voluntarily place themselves as indentured servants, God is calling them to honor their agreement. Right? In those days, they weren't, they, some were forced, but others voluntarily put themselves under indentured servant, servitude. And that meant uh, an agreement to work as a servant for a certain period of time, for a certain amount, so that then when that debt is paid, they're free. But they have to do, right? they have to follow that agreement. And what Paul is telling them is that they have to honor that agreement that they went under. Uh, that, um, that they ought to submit to those whom God has placed over them as their earthly master, so to speak. And in our circumstance, their employer. Um, to, and what that means then is to follow their orders. Do what, we're, do what they're told. Obey what is given. See, this is what submission means. We don't, only, we don't do only what we want to do. We do what is told of us by those who are over us. And when we work under the authority of someone else and we've chosen to do it, then we must honor that authority. And that's what Paul means by submitting to your masters in everything, in everything that this relationship entails. Now, this doesn't mean that you know, um, we're supposed to do it blindly, uh, without any qualms, without any discernment, uh, to do everything and anything that uh, our employers uh, tell us to do. Uh, the implied qualifier in any given passage is that it's always done under the lordship, the overarching lordship of, of, of God's word and the truth and his will. Uh, and so... The qualifier then is to submit in the Lord in everything that is lawful under God's, under God's law, under God's word. And so this means that we can't and we shouldn't submit to our employers if it means doing something illegal, sinful, uh, immoral, and, and, uh, and rebellious, uh, harmful. In, in other words... Uh, we submit to to our our uh, to our employers and everything, uh, in as much as uh, we are we follow the Lord in those things. And so this reminds me then in during World War II, you know, over and over again, uh, after after the um, World War II and after. Uh, the Allied forces realized everything that had been done 
uh, in those concentration camps, you know, when they, those prisoners of war, when they, when the, the Allied forces freed the Jews uh, from the concentration camps and they saw the horrors of the genocide and those people who had, who had executed the orders from the Nazi high command, when they were put on trial in Nuremberg, all of those Nazi soldiers and, and guards and the people who had, who had uh, committed those horrible crimes against humanity and the war crimes, you know, uh, pressing the button for, for, for the gas chambers and, and raping and, 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 and committing such evil against uh, those Jews, uh, their excuse during the trial was, well, we did what we were told. And, and during those trials, that was, that was not an excuse uh, because um, that uh, they should have known better, but at the same time, there were... There were Christian soldiers who refused to do uh, the, the evil acts that they were commanded to do. And some paid for it with their lives, and some uh, uh, abandoned their posts to run away. They would rather run away than to do what was evil in God's sight. And even some fought back because what their, what their, their superiors were telling them to do was absolutely evil. And so it was incumbent upon them to, to fight that injustice. Um, and so, you know, you hear stories about, um, uh, about uh, uh, soldiers who, uh, you know, soldiers who would plot to assassinate Hitler. I think when you come across a superior who is of such uh, evil, you know, it, it, in some ways it, it's... The, uh, the duty of the Christian to fight against it in one way or another. So, um, so and that's a qualifier here, right? This is not a blanket, you know, command to submit to our masters uh, no matter what, but in everything that is lawful unto the Lord. And so true submission is only true submission. Submission is only true submission as it's done in accord with what is right in God's eyes. So let me just give you one, one more uh, uh, application here. If, if a superior or an employer or even, you know, this is the same language that we read earlier in chapter 2 of, of how wives are to submit to their husbands. You know, if submission to an employer or a master or a husband means uh, sinning against the Lord, you don't have to submit. In, in fact, you should not submit if, for example, if a husband tells his wife uh, to do something that is a sin, um, then she is, she is submitting to the Lord first and refusing to submit uh, sinfully to, to her husband or, or a general or to a master. Um, and so we must obey God in every circumstance rather than men when those two are at odds. It, this also means, let's move on, it also means we submit to our earthly masters, not because they are always good or right, or even that they deserve it, but we submit to the, our earthly masters uh, as unto the Lord. Now, our, our passage doesn't specifically state that here, 
But in other passages that Paul describes the same language of slaves to their masters, he, he, uh, he lays out an overarching authority structure in which the slave obeys the master or the, the slave submits to the master, not for the master's sake, but unto the Lord. And that's the way all sub- true submission in Scripture is described. Uh, wives, submit to your husbands uh, just as, as the, the, the church submits to who? The Lord. So, um, so we obey uh, our masters because God has given them uh, a particular authority for a particular time and a particular circumstance. And so we, we, we follow and submit to them. And, and maybe the best parallel to this, I think, is Romans 13, where God places ministers of his justice, of the civil, govern, uh, the civil uh, magistrate over us. Uh, and so if we, we must submit to their authority because God has placed them over us that God has given them the sword to punish uh, uh, lawbreakers or evildoers. And, and so um, uh, that same principle applies then in our relationship uh, as under a earthly master or an employer uh, as employees. Uh, Paul puts it this way. You know, he... He says, slaves, obey your earthly masters, Ephesians 6, 5 through 8. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ. Not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but as servants of Christ, rendering service with goodwill as to the Lord and not unto man. Do do you see the parallel there? And it is in that context that I think we need to see what Paul's command here to submit to your earthly masters in everything. Uh, Because you're submitting ultimately to the Lord. You're obeying them as unto the Lord. Um, Secondly, moving on. Secondly, Paul goes on to tell us what our submission should look like. Um, he begins with, with telling us that we have to be submission to our earthly masters and everything means being well-pleasing and not argumentative. This is important because out of the fullness of the abundance of, of our hearts, our mouths speak. Right? If we truly are submitting uh, to the authority of the Lord through the masters that, uh, that he has given to us, then we will at least in, in, in principle, we ought to, to, um, to happily, as joyfully as humanly possible, to obey uh, those who are over us. But if our hearts are not there, right, if we're doing eye service, right, as Paul talks about in Ephesians 6, if we're only trying to obey on a superficial level, then our hearts are going to betray us as we open our mouths. And so we ought to be well-pleasing. And this idea of well-pleasing is, is um, uh, pleasure, uh, uh, with pleasure. That's the idea, right? And so what Paul is saying here is um, you ought to be glad to do the work that you've been given rather than 
begrudgingly and regretfully and, you know, with complaining. Um, because, you know, what employer wants a complainer as an employee? Um, you know, do, do I, you know, uh, do I do I have to do do it? Can you can you get someone else to do it? I, I don't want to do it. I can't do it. I don't want to do it. I think this is this might be uh, one of the caricatures of some of the younger generations that 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 uh, go out into the workforce. Is um, you know they've never had to work uh, very hard and and they feel like you know it's a privilege for our for an employer to have them and so they. When they, as soon as they have to do something that they don't like to do, it's not it's not their jam, and they're not vibing on it, then they're going to be like, "I quit," or or I don't want to do it, you know. And, and that's why I think you know, um, you know, uh, nowadays apparently the uh, the length of time that the younger generations are actually working is becoming shorter and shorter, um, and that might be part part of the reason why it's so hard to to. Uh, uh, to hire uh, and to retain uh, younger workers. But um, <clears throat> so if God is telling us to, to wash the dishes, you know, and clear the tables as a, at a restaurant or to do all the calculations for an engineering project or dig the trench uh, for the sprinklers if we work for a gardener, uh, we ought to do it uh, with, as much, with as much joy and with as much uh, well-pleasing uh, well heart as we ought to, as we can. Um, because we're doing it unto the Lord. And if we don't do it from the heart, and we don't want to please the Lord, let alone please those who are in charge, we are going to grumble and complain. And so if we don't want to submit, then everything is going to be drudgery. Right? Everything, we're going to resent everything and, and every one uh, of the jobs that we have to do. Um, and part of the reason why we argue and complain is because, maybe here's another way to think about it, is that we, we don't really trust God to have our best intentions at heart. We think that in God's providence, we deserve something better, something more suited to our liking, and not suited to the circumstance in which we find ourselves. And so we're going to grumble and complain. Uh, this is the reason why, for example, the Israelites uh, grumbled and complained uh, in, the, in, in the wilderness when they left uh, slavery in Egypt. is because they, they didn't trust the Lord, and they didn't trust, in, and they weren't content with his providence in their lives, they thought they just, that, they just, that they deserved more and that God didn't have their best interest at hand. Oh, that we would have the, the, uh, the meat and the dill and the cumin back in Egypt. Oh, we had it so good in Egypt, even though we were slaves, right? What is this, right? The manna that comes down from heaven or, or you know, we, I wish we had meat, you know? And, and the same, that same heart is in each and every one of us when we do work that we don't want to do. Uh, but it's incumbent upon us to submit our lives, our hearts to the Lord, and in doing that, it's going to shape us into certain kinds of people. When we do the work that we've been given, we will do it with joy. And it's a testimony 
to, to that submission to the Lord and to the grace and the joy that we have in the Lord. That, um, that we can do the, the most menial jobs, but we have the, the highest of dignities because we're doing it unto the Lord. We can clean toilets. Uh, we, can, um, uh, we can pick up trash. And it's, it's an honorable and dignified uh, vocation because we're doing it unto the Lord. And in many ways, I think the more menial tasks are um, some of the most important jobs in all the world. Uh, if, there's, if, you've ever, if you saw the, uh, the news highlights when the French garbage workers went on strike and the piles and piles and piles of trash on those French streets, <laughs> you know, you tell me how important that job is. It's very important. Um, and so it's, so it's important for us to, to submit ourselves to the Lord and be willing to do whatever work our masters or our employers give to us. Why? Because I think God is preparing for us a heart of submission to be willing to do whatever it takes uh, so that God will prepare us for something better. Uh, uh, this is the way I think about it, and I think I'm gonna, I'm going to uh, date myself here, but you know, like it's like the movie. If have you guys watched a Karate Kid? Okay. So if you remember, Daniel Larusso wants to learn how to defend himself by learning karate from Mr. from from Mr. Miyagi, right? You remember? And so, so what he does is he tells him, okay, well, if you want to learn karate from me, this is what you got to do. Wax on and wax off the cars, right? So he's doing it, right? And then he says, you know, paint the fence. So he's painting the fence. And then he says, you know, sand the floor, sand the floor. And, and Daniel LaRusso's like fed up after a certain amount of time. He's like, why do I have to do all these stupid things? I want to learn karate, right? And then so, so what does Mr. Miyagi do? He, then he says, okay, well, you show me the, those moves. And then he started doing all these karate moves, and, he's, and, and it, it, it turned out that, that Daniel Russo learned karate through these menial tasks, that it was the way to prepare him for what he needed to learn. And I think the Lord teaches us uh, in the same way where, as we submit to him through our employers to do those menial things so that we would learn deeper uh, 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 better lessons for something in the future. And the perfect example is Joseph. Right? Joseph submitted to the Lord. He worked uh, at Potiphar's house. Even when he was fa- falsely accused and falsely imprisoned, the Lord used all of his experiences as he submitted in a godly way uh, to his masters that the Lord elevated him and used everything he learned to elevate him to Pharaoh's right hand to be second in command over all of Egypt, uh, saving them from famine, saving the people of Israel uh, from famine. Uh, so, so the menial jobs or whatever that you feel like, you know, uh, it's, it's, a, it's below you in your jobs, uh, God can use them to shape you to humble you, to give you a heart of submission, to trust in him, 
for, for future things where he can elevate you to something greater, more important. Um, and you, you see that, I think, in so many success stories in our culture, where somebody who worked at In-N-Out, uh, he started off cleaning toilets. He worked hard. He did them well. And as he did them well, he went up, moved from toilets, from the bathrooms, to the register, to the, to the kitchen, to the management, and to the district uh, manager, and maybe even higher. And so each was a stepping stone to something greater. And I think that is what the Lord is teaching us as we learn to, to submit, be well-pleasing, and not argumentative. Uh, and then uh, let me uh, come to a close here. Um, uh, servants ought to also be trustworthy, right? Not, uh, not pilfer, not steal, uh, because they are content with, God, what, with what God has given them and therefore then work with all good faith, showing all good faith. And um, so if we trust the Lord in his providence, then we're not going to feel the need to steal anything. Right? Stealing is an act of unbelief when you get to it. It's a functional unbelief that says, you know what? God isn't going to give me what I need, so I'm going to take it for myself. But when we are content with what God has given to us, maybe it's not what we want, but it's, it's definitely something that we need. And, and, uh, and so we're not going to want to covet because we trust God that what you give us is, is good enough for, for me, and I'm content in that. Um, and this is a lesson, I think, for all of us in any circumstance, uh, that uh, to trust the Lord uh, to give us all that we need so that then we can be trustworthy people because we're not going to want to steal anything uh, trying to take our own uh, providence into our own hands. And all of this then brings us to living out the reality of the gospel in our lives. Because as we live out these truths of the gospel, as we live according to sound doctrine, to live out a sound Christian life, uh, as we live, as we uh, submit to, the, to our masters in everything as unto the Lord, as we uh, are well-pleasing rather than argumentative, as we are trustworthy, uh, and not pilfering, what we're doing is we are uh, expressing and manifesting the character and the beauty of the gospel by the way that we live. This is the theme of our whole passage here in verses 1 through 10, uh, so, that, so that people will not revile the word of God, right? So that, we can't, so that no one can speak ill of us or condemn us as Christians. To live in such a way that that we adorn ourselves, we adorn the gospel with our lives, uh, just like we adorn, we adorn uh, uh, ourselves with something beautiful so that the gospel would be attractive through our lives. Um, and this is what Paul means when he says, so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. And so let us live in a way that makes the gospel inviting and attractive because that's what, that's what it really is. We're only showing forth the beauty of what the gospel is by the beauty with which we live our lives. So let us then all live as ornaments of the gospel so that people might look in and say, 
the God they believe is beautiful. I want to I follow and worship a God like that. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for, for, adore, for the adornment of the gospel in our lives. Lord, sometimes it's, and many times, it's so hard to submit to anyone, let alone uh, our masters and everything. Father, help us to submit first and foremost in faith unto you. And in doing so, uh, we will be more apt and able to submit to, to, our, to those around us. Uh, who are over us. And Lord, help us then to adorn the gospel with our lives and let it be a testimony to a, a dying world. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.